Business Podcast. Proximity is power. Registration for our executive boardroom is still open. To learn more, click the link in the description of this episode. All right. I am JP, the founder and CEO of Arcom Management Services and the Game of Business podcast. Today, I am joined by Isaiah Silva. Isaiah is an amazing businessman that I met years ago at an event, and we've just continued to run together. Um, Isaiah's background is in the hospital industry, and it's interesting. Isaiah, you were telling me that you got your first gig inside the hospital in the environmental health and safety, and you didn't have a college degree. Um, and so I'd like to I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. But they hired you with the stipulation that you would get the degree, whether it's one class at a time or beyond that. Now I know you have a master's degree. We've talked about that before. So you obviously you obviously picked up your end of the of the shovel and did the went to work on that. Um, and then um, you began to you began to move up in the con- company and uh, eventually becoming the um, uh, leaving that company and becoming the director of health environmental health and safety for another company before you were laid off. And the first hospital hired you back on a consulting basis. And from that, you just took on project after project to where you are now. What I know about you is you are an integral part of that hospital, you and your company. And um, with that, thanks for joining me, Isaiah. And right off the bat, I want to say, I want to ask, so we get a scope of where, where you're at. How many employees do you have? I'm sitting in about, uh, first off, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, buddy. Uh, uh, I'm sitting at around 65 right now. 65. 65. And and when did the consulting gig start? Uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, 10 years ago in May is when I started uh, my own thing and started. Consulting. Wow, wow. And and what do you what do you attribute that success and that growth to? Um, just you know my willingness to tackle hard projects and and willing to to jump into things that I may not have a background in, but. You know, I'm good at figuring things out and, and getting my head around it. I like to do research, as you as you mentioned. My background's in environmental health and safety, um, so that background involves a lot of text, a lot of regulations, and and digging deep into those things and finding the gray areas to make things work, to make allow businesses to function, but do so in a safe manner. And so, when I get a project, I'm just able to like dive in head first and, and dig deep and try to figure out the nuances of that project from the inside out and then come up with solutions to be able to be sustainable over time. Yeah. Now I'd like to see, I'd like any young entrepreneurs to hear this and anybody who's um, thinking about getting to business. Um, he didn't set out, Isaiah, you didn't set out to, to start a business. And yet here you are a decade later with 65 employees and what you did from what, from my perspective, is just out hustled everybody. You just said you need something done. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Inside of a framework of the healthcare industry, so it wasn't like you're saying, "Oh, you want me to go fix your car? I'll do that." Oh, you want me to go build a house? I'll do that. You, you stayed inside of a, a track, but too many times, you know, people are afraid um, to jump and, and become their own boss to do their own thing. Um, because there's no safety or security, and yet there you were, the director of health and safety with security and safety in a job, and you're laid off, right? And, right. And, and and you were given the opportunity to bet on yourself. And the way I see it is, um, I want you to speak to this, um, so many people, if you want to have what others don't have, you got to be willing to do what they won't. 
That's true. So how how is that? How does it? How do you feel like that applies to to your growth and where you've gone? So I mean, a a lot of people are afraid of uncertainty, right? And so when you're sitting there in, in a position like I was, I got laid off from my job. I was uncertain of my future, and um, so I'm sitting there debating: Do I go back into finding you know employment at another place? Um, this opportunity of consulting came on my lap and I was like, well, this is something I'm not familiar with, but you know, the, the field was very familiar. And so I was like, okay, I'll jump into this in the meantime, while I look for my next opportunity. And what happened was, is that various department heads in, in the hospital kept saying, oh, you're here doing consulting. I got something I need some help with. And then they just knew my work ethic and my background and they understood that you know i knew the politics of health care i understood the people within the system that that i understood how to navigate the process to to ensure uh success and they understood that i was just a grinder i i would you know like you said i'd out hustle i would just grind it until i got it right and so if i put in you know however many hours necessary to get it done right and i don't have a pretty good track record of success that keeps affording me more opportunities as, as we move forward. So I would say, you know, even when you get asked to do something that you've never done before, if, as long as you have faith in yourself and your process, you'll be able to be successful if you're willing to dig in and grind, right? And so, yeah, well, there were some projects that I took on that I had no clue how to even where to begin. And what I had to do was step back and look at the outcome. What did we want as the outcome? And then systematically approach it backwards to say, okay, well, this is the most logical start point. And then from there, research, effort, and and uh, a little bit of, uh, of fortitude would uh, doesn't hurt anybody to get started. Right. So, you know, I, I have a master's degree as well, and I only bring this up, not, not to toot my own horn, but I, I bring it up because um, I'm not a big fan of the education system anymore. And I know you and I kind of differ on that a little bit. I just feel like Isaiah... You grew your business not because you had that piece of paper, but because you hustled and grind, ground, grounded, grounded. Yeah, <laughs> you, 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 know, you, you you hustled, and so I look at this next generation that's coming up. This I, I don't know what they're going to call it. I'll call it the COVID generation. The bunch of trophy babies, right? They, everybody gets a trophy for showing up, and then they're going to get to work and expect to just have everything handed to it. Man, if you're a young entrepreneur and you're willing to swim against the current against what's going on out there today and say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do, I'm going to follow the Isaiah thing. I'm going to reverse engineer thing. There's this, there's the target. And then what has to happen before I hit the target before that, before that, before that. And all of a sudden, you know, Hey, this is the first thread I need to pull on. And you know, this little baby right here is worth more. It's cost a hell of a lot less than a college education, but everything you want and everything you're going to need is found on it. Right. Yeah, that's true. So, um, inside of your inside of your um, business, that stated, um, I do think education is is key to success. I'm just saying, college education may not be the the path for everybody. So, for instance, Isaiah is on one of the executive boardrooms that I have, and that boardroom is designed for people that want to master the game of business, not dabble in the game of business. And too many people. Just dabble in life, right? And and you decided at some point, I'm going to master this hospital thing, right? So 
What do you think um, inside of your inside of this? Um, tell me about uh, you had a loss inside of your business. You had a partner, and something shifted inside of your business when that happened. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So um, so like I mentioned, I started my consulting business, and we we picked up this project, and I was doing like six other projects at the time and and this project needed someone at least three quarters of the time so i i um, talked to my good friend um into coming in to work for me and so he left his uh he, he worked at a large bank as a derivative accountant had no background in operations no background in healthcare, but he was like me he was a grinder right he knew how to get things done and he, and he was good and uh, so he came to work for me uh, unfortunately, like two years ago, he passed away suddenly, um, and he was basically my head of operations. So he was, you know, managing the day-to-day -day operations of the people. I was, I was finding the projects, kind of systematizing the projects, and then he would operationalize the projects. So uh, we had a good dynamic going where, you know, it just worked. Uh, when we lost him, it shattered us because he was he was a big piece of the company. And um, so we had to sit back and reevaluate, right? And so, you know, I have, you know, his brother also works for me, um, and a couple other family friends, and it was a, it was a hard loss for everybody uh, within the company. And and so we had to take a step back and say, okay, how can we replace him? And I ended up having to replace him uh, with two people, um, and then I took on the rest of the stuff that didn't actually fall into into those two positions, um, plates. Um, and, and we just started building again, but the, the biggest thing for us is it actually gave us a realization that, that everything is temporary. Right. And so, um, no matter your best laid plans happen, everything, everything is finite and you don't know when that end is going to happen. And so you have to enjoy the process and, and keep moving forward. But you also have to do it with an understanding is that like, you know, just like any contract or any project, it's going to come to an end at some point and, and just kind of dig deep. So it took a little while, but we, we fought back and got everything back on track and like the operations running smoother than ever. Um, we're growing. We have opportunities coming out of the woodwork. People want what we, we have. Um, and we just do it in the light of, of, when we make major decisions, we would, we'd ask like, would Ryan think this was a good idea? And, you know, even though he's not here to help us figure it out, he, he allows us, like gives us that strength, I think, to kind of take on things we, we weren't really prepared to do. And we just jump into new projects with that mentality. So it, that's kind of how we went with it. Yeah. So I found Isaiah in my life, whenever something goes wrong, I learn more from it than when things are going right. Yeah. So what 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 were the major lessons you learned when this event happened for you personally as well as inside your business? Uh so I mean personally it was just yeah. I mean I think I mentioned it don't don't take anything for granted, right? Like you know, in, you know it's a lot when you're a young entrepreneur or or your business is young and you're an entrepreneur um, that you put a lot of time and effort into it. And you do that sometimes at the detriment of your family and friends and your health. And, and you have to realize like, you know, 
everything matters equally or, or if not what are your priorities and make sure you focus on those the business is important right it's basically what allows us to have the lives we live and allows us to and have things we can enjoy go on vacation or whatnot but but you can't enjoy those vacations if you if you do it at the detriment of your relationships or at the detriment of your family um you know or your health and, and it's really important to focus on those things too um and and try to balance it out and create that center where there is a balance between the business side and your personal side from the from the business side it made me realize that like we rely too heavily on, on certain people right and we we don't have redundancies put in place we don't have coverage put in place and and i didn't have a lot of the stuff that he was working on like even documented right it was all mm. all in his head and you know he was one of those you know we call a beautiful mind you know where he was like you know this math genius and so he just had this great memory and this whole thing and so everything that we were doing he had it systematized in his way like we have all his records and documents and i was going through them um after he passed and i'm looking at this and it's all gibberish to me because it yeah. made sense to him um but we didn't have a redundancy in place and we didn't have fail safes in place to make sure that like if the operation does get hit negatively or impacted negatively or we lose a key a key player regardless if it's unfortunate uh by them passing or them moving on that we can continue on seamlessly without having to to reinvent the wheel. And yeah, so I see this. It, I I fell in the same trap in inside of my manufacturing business, and I see that that you you kind of went through the same thing. As we get this business, it starts growing. Our head is down. We're working. We're just like you. The words you use is grinding. We're going forward, 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 and we realize. And when something big happens like that, that nobody's actually been running the business. We've been doing business. We've been making money, we've been operating a business, but we haven't been running the business. And then all of a sudden this happens and it causes you to step back and go, holy shit, maybe somebody should make sure that we have work instructions in place and processes in place. Maybe we need to have redundancies in place. And, and then that reality, I, I, I didn't have, uh, fortunately for me, I didn't have a death that happened inside of, of my business. But when I hit that reality, I just went, whoa, you know, um, the the fun part now is, and you're at this phase right now where your business is is scaling large enough that you are truly in that position where you you can be that CEO and not the. Let me see, what was I in my business before I made this before I made the transition? I was the sales manager, the head estimator, the operations manager, the scheduler, the CFO, <laughs> the president. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I wore all those hats. I mean, can you relate right. to that? Oh yeah, definitely. That's literally, I'm at that transition period right now where I, I tend to be the single point of failure in a lot of things and I'm working to systematize them or find the right people to fill those spots so I don't have to be that single point of failure. Now, sure, if I have to jump in, absolutely. But but for me, like my team sometimes like, hey, did you do that for me? Did you do that for me? And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to fit it into my schedule. Uh, but so I'm, I have, I'm in that transition period right now yeah get out of that yeah and that that's that's the next level once you hit that man this this uh i i, I just knowing you that that 65 member team is going to be 165 in the blink of an eye mm. i can see it happening for you um and you're going to go holy crap 
<laughs> Maybe I should be the director of health and safety somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe me, that thought has come up numerous times over the last 10 years. Okay. <laughs> you know, that would be easier. <laughs> man, people don't get it. it, it uh, that, that, that phrase, heavy is the head that wears the crown. And, you know, the employees, you know, I went to this phase where I started working from home two days a week when I, when I had uh, custom metal. And um, there was some thought, well, why doesn't he work anymore? Why is he only working three days a week? And pfft, are you kidding me? I've been working seven days a week, almost nonstop. How many of you leave work at five o'clock and you go get your, your six pack or your case of beer and you have a good weekend? I do that. And I fall asleep, and two hours later, my mind is racing, solving the problem, and I'm thinking about business all weekend long. It never stops, you know? Yeah. And the people don't understand, like, working from home is actually working from home, not home not working, right? So, uh, <laughs> you know, like, you know, seven days a week is a commonplace. Dude, I want to hit this one with you. Do you have any employees that work from home? I don't. Like, we... So I have two people that I allow to work from home for days, but like most of their stuff is basically computer work anyway. So they, we allow that to happen. And, and my mentality is, is I trust the team that I allow to do that anyway. And, you know, they're going to get the work done. And as long as the work gets done and meets the deadlines that we have to meet, they're, they're allowed to do that. And I'm trying to be a little more free as much as I can, but we're an operations company and you can't do operations from remotely. You have to do it from, from the actual facility. So, uh, most of my people don't have that opportunity. Right. Yeah, I, I get that. And I just was wondering, because I, I run into, there's a, since the COVID thing went down, there's been a large shift of people, allowing people to work from home. Um, and you get people that are my age and up, and they're like, no, no way am I going to let people. And I've ran into to that, because I started, I, I let a salesperson work from home, where it was an inside sales, as an estimator, actually, inside sales estimating. And I let this individual work from home and um, the work level went way down. And then it was operations manager calling saying, hey, will you check with the client on such and such a, uh, an order and see if they can push it back? And, and she's like, uh, well, I'm at the store right now. Can you call them? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong thing to say, uh, honey. <laughs> right, right. So I'm just wondering, um, as, as you grow are, and you become multi-state, multi, uh, become a multi-state operation, have you given any consideration to, uh, to that at all and how that might play out? Yeah, I mean, as I build my leadership team and actually build, uh, find the, the key contributors to the company, I think some of them might be able to work remotely. Um, and But again, for me, you know, I might be old school in that mentality is that like, you know, you get more work done when you're focused on work. Like, it's so easy uh, for work from home days for me to be like, oh, I have to fix that door and I'll fix that door. And then all of a sudden now, instead of, you know, being the owner, it's a little different because you know, you still have that responsibility. So now instead of being done at work at five, you have to work till seven or seven thirty because you spent two hours on a door repair. Um, and so it's really easy to get kind of lost in that. And so, and, and for me, if I, as the owner that have, has all the skin in the game, um, know that i get distracted at home i just imagine from an employee standpoint when you know technically like they don't have they have their skin in the game from their salary perspective but 
if it doesn't get done today and it can get and it's not going to be detrimental to the company it can be done on monday like what is going to prevent them from just delaying that an extra day right um, i think the key is those roles that work from home they need to have deadlines on things and definitely need to have some kind of reporting so hey this is what i this is what i'm going to do today this is what i accomplished today etc because i think there's just too much i know when i when i transitioned i'd had this this employee had been one of my top people left because of of a commute issue um in with a relationship and then um i said well why you can work from home uh, part how about we work from home you know 50 50 cool that was great until that just meant hey i only work two days one week three days the next <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so um Tell me about um, you. You've had other opportunities that came up, which I, you're an operations company. But then I hear you, you get into these special projects, and the one that I want to talk about is the software. I find it really interesting. So you designed this software for the hospital. How did you get into that, and 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 what was the process behind that? Okay, so um, so when we started this, uh, the equipment group. It was out of a necessity and and basically we wanted to streamline the process so one of the vendors that were already part of the healthcare system uh, that i worked for um, they had this software that they kind of customized to meet our needs um, for equipment ordering well we got uh, like a two-year head start saying like oh this software got purchased by this company they're going to sunset it and 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 put it out of commission um, and so you, you know, we're going to put out this new software. Um, and so we take a look at it and we just didn't think it met our needs. It was basically the same thing that we currently had, which was kind of like, you know, barely meet the needs that we wanted. And we figured if we we're going to take a switch to a new software, we want something that actually exactly fit our needs and, and met what we were doing and, and, and allowed us to track things that we didn't, weren't tracking, run reports that we couldn't run. And so we looked at a couple other companies that were doing the same thing, which was trying to mimic the software that was out there for this operation. But it was basically just, you know, you know, the same software, different, different uniform, you know. And so basically at that point, my team and I sat down and said, well, could we build it ourselves? And uh, it, t it took like a month for us to figure it out. But then we're like, well, yeah, we can build it ourselves. And. And so basically we decided to do it ourselves and we built it from the inside out from our operations and, and we figured out how to get it built and how to make it work. Um, and then from there we got it, we got it built. And then we, you know, we had to convince the hospital to use our software. We're not a software company like those other two companies were. Um, but we had to show them like, you know, we could continue business as usual uh, with the old software company you could have the same output, the same thing. Wait a minute. Could... Let, let me get this right. Yeah. Let me get this right, bro. Yep. They didn't ask you to do this. No. You just did it. You spent time and time is money and you invested in this thing. Yep. And you said, yeah, well, you know, we can do this. After... How much did you invest in this before I even asked them or no, told them? So I, I mentioned it in passing uh, to them. <laughs> But I saw it as an opportunity, um, an opportunity like we knew we had an operation that was, you know, only a handful of hospitals in the entire country have a department that focuses on what we do. Um, and most of it's done manually with phone calls. 
And so I saw the opportunity that like, regardless if the hospital that I'm working for purchases the software, it'll be future opportunities. But I did mention it to them and they'd be, they said it's something they're interested in. We showed them some of our early wireframes and our early concepts and they really liked it. And then they said, definitely we would review it and go through the process just like everything else. But there was no guarantees. I didn't just, they didn't say, yes, build this and we'll guarantee it. No, we, I just took a wow. chance and a wing and a prayer. You know? What was the what was your investment, um, your hard investment? I know there's a lot of soft investment um, in there. But what well, do you think? What'd you, what was uh, your hard uh, out-of-pocket cost to develop Let's that? just say uh, hundreds of thousands. Dude, that that's a, that's a gamble, man. Do you, do you ever fly to Vegas just for the weekend and <laughs> so, decide, so, I'm going to have some <laughs> fun, fun burning through some money or what? No, I think... I think um, it was an educated gamble, um, knowing what I know in the, like it's industry specific, right? So knowing what I know and, and having the confidence in what we're capable of doing, it's not really a gamble, right? Especially knowing that like, this is the way it has to go. I mean, eventually everything needs to be tracked, trended and, and focused on. And if you just do it all willy nilly, you're going to get that outcome, right? Like an in, unstable outcome. And so, I just had confidence in what we were doing and I thought I said there's a market outside of what we're currently doing and I know there is and I can even if everything else fails like I'll have this software that I could sell and this it will sell. Right. How, do you, have you uh do you have plans in place to start deploying this across other hospitals that you're not in right now? Yeah, so I I've been doing some outreach and everybody's interested. Every every hospital I've talked to is interested in it. Now it just gets down to compatibility with what they're doing with their you know their uh, medical record systems and 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 they're you know getting their higher ups involved but like from a operations standpoint every single hospital i've talked to wants to continue um discussions and so we're slowly i'm, I'm being very selective with the hospitals that i'm, I'm working with at first so i'm being very selective and, and meeting with them and, and discussing it and showing them the software showing them the functionality showing them why it's worth it expressing the ROI on, on understanding like the life cycle of equipment, life cycle of, of the operation and everything like that. So yeah, it's, it's, I've gotten a lot of great feedback on it. Okay. Um, and it's only been in place as I understand it for just a few months now, right? For the first yeah. hospital. So the first hospital launched, we launched in, uh, January of 2023 and um, the, we find any bugs is it working out okay or it's working great i mean it's it's literally streamlining everything i mean we're you know we're pumping you know twenty five thousand pieces of equipment a month on average through that thing and we haven't had any issues um it's it's running smoothly the uh front end staff the nursing staff that are doing the orders love it um the back end staff think it's way better than what we had before it's much easier to use easier to understand more intuitive and then the reports we can generate we can we can capture like what is going through our process and how many pieces of equipment are going through our process how many times that one piece of equipment has gone through our process so it's 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 really kind of enhanced our operations and allowed us to kind of dig deeper and, and get a better understanding of productivity and efficiencies on our end mm -hmm. and being able to minimize the time of duration from when the nurses request the pieces of equipment to when it gets to the bedside and ready to use. Right. Did, did you search for multiple developers to help work with you on this or did you just yeah. luck into the right one? No. So we, I interviewed about 10 of them. 
And then, okay. um, and so you and I understand, like we're both relation guys, right? So like, you know, interviewing these people, like they all have teams of, of developers that can do anything, right? Like any, like if you have a, if you're a development company, you have everything from soup to nuts. Then it comes down to who you, who can you work with? Who can understand your vision of what you're trying to develop and who you, who's there to be able to, to work with you as a partner versus just being another, you know, you know, slip on the board saying, okay, we've got to get this project done. And so I, during the interview process, I focused more on that relationship side and, and, and we picked a developer that did a great job. How did, um, how did they, um, deliver in terms of timeliness? Did they meet, uh, their milestones or were there delays? So the first, the first software, so this equipment software was the second software we developed. So the first software, there was a ton of delays, and ninety nine percent of them were on my end. So, uh, like, because you know we're running operations and we're trying to develop software at the same time, we didn't dedicate enough time uh, to really kind of do it properly for them. But when we're on point on our end, everything was smooth. Like, there's a couple delays here and there because we're asking for for pretty fancy development pieces on the second software, the one that we just implemented in January there was a lot of like little tricky nuances that we needed and, and it delayed it, but it, we're talking about three or four days at most, never like long delays. And That's so great. The timeline we were on pretty, pretty tight. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you found a good team. I've had multiple people that I've worked with that have developed apps, which I don't know if the, the, is, is this a thing on a, on an iPad or is it on computers yeah. or yeah. Okay, so it's, well, it's like, uh, so we have both applications have a web-based side and a mobile side. Okay. And um, they were delayed horribly. The, fir the first person I talked to, hers, um, she worked with them for, I don't remember how long it was. It was a long time before she had to scrap them all together and start with a whole new team. Oh, man. So, and, and you, you just said you spent multi six figures on this. And um, so, ouch. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm, it's, uh, it, and, and there's no, Knowing you, I can see that you're going to pick the right guy. You you are a highly detailed orient, uh, person, and so you're not just going to. And you're the relationship guy, true, but you're not just going to let the relationship, uh, you know, let the details escape you. So that that's pretty cool that that went down. Um, so so what's next, Isaiah? What's what's the next steps for you? Next steps for me is that we're in the midst of um, trying to land a couple hospitals um, that we've been talking with we have a couple that are deep in the, the negotiation process that we're just kind of trying to hash out the finer details and then we're going to try to launch this up op, uh, my operations points at different locations and, and expand our services to um, multiple hospitals throughout the country and to do that I mean I have to expand my leadership team and I have to you know we have to build a sustainable model from a leadership perspective to actually implement these major initiatives that we're got going. And then alongside with that, we're going to start building another app. So, I mean, it's <laughs> he's back in the software game. Did anybody ask for this one? <laughs> nope. This is our software. This is literally um, the software we're going to develop for this is it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a dual purpose. It's going to be a SaaS software but it's also meant for our internal operations to manage it more efficiently and effectively for some of our compliance side so doing our, a lot of our auditing and, and and systematizing our auditing so that we can train more people faster and, and have them mm. all use a universal system without having to 
use a lot of judgment and and take out the human error in the auditing process. That's great. And what's the benefit going to be, um, do you think, in terms of dollars to you? Oh, I mean, a lot. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. I, I haven't really kind of flushed that out yet. Uh, for me, it's going to save time because of a lot of the auditing processes now are, you know, we, we use either Power Apps and Google or we're doing it manually. And then you have to transfer that and then run spreadsheets with with the reporting features that we build in these apps it just automatically you just have to type it in and spits it out it also means there's no dual entry and so from an efficiency standpoint it's going to improve efficiency and allow us to push through more audits and and train more people faster are you from you're in the in the healthcare industries but i was talking to a doctor the other day and he said the thing that bogs him down the most is the paperwork he's got to fill out for insurance companies so yeah. he's got to fill out, he says he's getting carpal tunnel because he's filling out all this paperwork, literally, in, instead, mm -hmm. of, uh, instead, of, um, instead of meeting with patients. And there were, we, he just touched on something. He was just talking to him yesterday. And um, he touched on it briefly about uh, eventually it'd be nice to have some kind of uh, software that could handle this. And, um, and, and you know, he, he's, he's down a certain line. So there's not all this broad spectrum of stuff. It's not like he's going to, you know, be treating for heart disease on one day and brain tumors right. on the next and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much the same codes. And I'm wondering, um, as I, as I'm talking to you, I'm like, yeah, I got to put you two together because there might be another piece of software you can create. <laughs> hey, I, I really enjoy that piece of it, being the creative piece. And yeah, we do custom software if necessary. Like I have a potential project coming down the pike where I have to build a custom software for a client and, and to fit their operation needs. And, and it might just be ever utilized with them or it could be potentially something that I can um, push out to other, other clients. But uh, yeah, we had the preliminary discussions recently, and, and we're going to see if it moves forward and gets approved by them. All right, great. Um, so Isaiah, let's go back to um, just as somebody who's going to start up a business. What are the uh, what are the top three things you think that somebody should focus on when they're starting up a business? I think the first thing is to to find your niche, right? Like so, like for me, like I'm not just in healthcare. I don't have an umbrella of healthcare because of healthcare, like you said, is so totally different things. You have you have the insurance side, you have the the medical records side, you have the patient care side. Like so, to, to for me, I focus on support services, right? So which is it's just basically everything behind the curtain of patient care, right? So it's like you know, housekeeping, food service, security, environmental health and safety, facilities engineering. Right, anything behind the scenes to help the facility run properly uh, that isn't directly related to handling patient care. Now, granted, the equipment piece of it um, involves patient care because the equipment is for patient care, but it's basically the behind the scenes piece to get that equipment to the nurses so they can utilize it for patient care. Um, and so, like, mine is a niche in a niche in a niche, you know, so like I'm really kind of focused in on something and my goal is to be the best in the world at it. And I'm, you know, I'm, I might not be there, but I'm getting close, you know? So I think that's be the first thing to say, if you're going to start a business, you know, focus it, like, don't try to be everything to everybody, but like, just be the best thing for one person. And then that one person turns into two people. And then that, you know, and then so that goes inside with the second thing is like, try, don't try to get too big too fast. 
like, you know, it took me 10 years to get to 65 people. And I could tell you that I could have done it in half the time if I wanted to, but the quality of my work wouldn't be the same. And the pride I have in the quality that we're pushing out allows me to use word of mouth with my clients to get new clients. And it's, and it's not me sending out advertising on Google and doing all this stuff to push my products. My clients, my, my next clients always come from previous clients and, and which is really important because healthcare, although vast, there's, you know, tens of thousands of hospitals, medical facilities throughout the country. Um, it's kind of small. It's like, like, you know, if you're a uh, environmental services director, you probably know 40 or 50 environmental services directors throughout the country. And they all talk about the processes they're doing and the innovation in healthcare. Um, and then, and then lastly, um, just get some good mentors, right? Like, so everybody thinks like they're the smartest person in the room, but the problem is, is that if you think that, and you, you only are looking internally for all your answers and, and that you get tunnel vision and what you need is to get, you know, a series of mentors to help you, you know, frame around your thought process and build your, your business in a way that is meaningful and can be sustained over time. And, you know, I've done that in my life and, you know, I've had numerous mentors throughout my career and some of them have came with me during this journey of, of running my company. And some of them I've outgrown and that's okay. But the, the thing is, is that no one can do this alone. And, and anybody who's been in business or done business can, I think, agree with that is that it takes a village. It's just like raising a kid, you know, like, if you think you can do it by yourself, you know, God bless. But, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm always asking for help for my kids because, like, yeah. you know, it's there's always something going on. And it's the same thing with the business. Like, thing, like new things are going to pop up every single day that you've never experienced before. But I'm sure, I am positive that you have someone in your network that has utilized them for their, their knowledge and try to understand how they got through it and, and then work through it yourself. Yeah, I, I love that last piece. Uh, number one, because I'm a business mentor. But the reason I got here is because, hey, like we started at the beginning. You and I both have master's degrees in business. Yeah. I got learned, learned way more by doing it than I did from the books. But I also learned so much more from from learning from people that actually did it and have been there and done that. And then I could model what they did and take a decade of their experience and turn it into a few short years. So I'm collapsing time. So mentorship, it will cost you money. But if you decide that this is an investment in myself and I'm going to bleed every ounce of information out of this and pour into it like nothing else, you collapse time tremendously. And that's that's what I've seen happen for me inside of my world. And then you end up with somebody like uh, like you who doesn't dabble. You're not a dabbler in business. There's a lot of business owners that just show up because frankly, yeah, it's really hard. Once you get to business to a certain spot, you can just dabble at it. The truth is you can coast for a long time before anybody realizes you're coasting. But you're not gonna get to that next level um, by by dabbling, you're going to get there by by continually investing in yourself, making the uh, it, that actual part of your budget is is training and not just like well you know like um, I work with a CPA firm and they have to take continuing education classes, but a business owner doesn't have to. I mean, you might have to take some industry stuff. They made us when I had the manufacturing biz, they made us take some. Uh, 
I don't know, bored, bored stuff. And it was, it, it, but it was boring. It was, it was awful. And you take it online and you press go on the computer. And at the end you took a test and you didn't even watch the, the thing. It was so yeah, stupid. Half the right? time you just skip right to the test. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they changed it finally in Oregon. They got onto that. So people, uh, so they made you watch the whole video. So yeah, I would have multiple screens. I set the video up on this screen. I keep working and I'd say, Siri, set timer 30 minutes or however long the video was yeah. for. Boom, 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 boom. Take the test. Start the next video. Next thing you know, uh, two days later, I've taken 16 hours of, of tests simultaneously while I'm working. So right. <laughs> we're not talking about that with a mentor. If yeah. you're really interested in business, though, it will it will allow you to expand exponentially. Agreed. Right. I think, you know, that's, I mean, all my success, I think, has to do with, like, being able to persevere through those those new troubles that pop up and, and most of them, most of them, I've I bounced my ideas off of a mentor or two to, to kind of get myself through it. Uh, so I didn't want to like just give up because a lot of times when you hit those roadblocks where you don't see any outcome that, that can happen, people just throw their hands up. And that's why most businesses fail because like, they don't see any outcome outside of it because they're trying to do it all themselves instead of actually kind of utilizing their network and, and the experience of their network to move past those problems. What I'm finding is when we're ready to give up, we're about 40% capacity. And so power through, you're three feet away from the gold and keep pushing it. And you too will be like Isaiah, use the mama <laughs> mentality right there. Use the mama mentality yeah, and make yeah. it through. Isaiah, man, brother, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate the conversation. It was fun fun getting to know, know learn a little bit, you know, your, your operation a little bit deeper level and then just understand, man, I thought I was a risk taker. I really <laughs> thought I was a risk taker, man. But yet you're you're ready to go throw 200, 200 grand on black, man. And so uh, <laughs> I know I'm just teasing you. Yeah, man. But I appreciate sure. your time, brother. No, thank you. Appreciate you. All right, take care. See ya. Hey, again, business family. If you enjoyed or received value out of this episode, please share it. Send it to a friend. See, we don't pay for advertising on this podcast that are strictly word of mouth, and I would love the help to add value to as many business people as I can. Thanks a lot.